Thank you for joining us for episode 34 of Head Start. This is a weekly podcast to help Liberty's adult and student ministry life group leaders prepare for the upcoming lesson. So much like uh, we did last week, I'd like for us to address a question, uh, but maybe with some couple of different responses. Uh, why, why do we start new groups uh, is a question that is, needs to be in the front of our minds as we think about life groups. So why do we start new groups? So just really quick, uh, a few reasons. Uh, one is new groups uh, will reach 10 people on average. The sort of the statistically, a new group will reach 10 people on average. So let's say that we start a new adult life group and it reaches six people. You might go, ha ha, that's not 10. Well, you're right. Your math is really good and I appreciate you catching that. Uh, but if that uh, those six have children, then hopefully those children are engaged in kids ministry or preschool or student ministry. Uh, then we've likely, even though there's only six adults, we've likely uh, reached more than 12, uh, more than 10 because of the children that are connected to that family. So new groups will reach 10 people on average. Second reason why new groups will grow faster than existing groups. Groups that have been together longer than 18 months tend to go to turn inward. And well, that's for good reason, really. Because if you've been together for 18 months, you've probably experienced some lows together as a group. You've been able to come alongside of during a difficult season. You've been able to help. You've also probably celebrated some really highs together as a group as individuals. And that's good. That's community is being built, and, and that's a really good thing. Uh, but when those things, those, those lows and those highs come, uh, we tend to turn inward. Uh, the longer a group that has been together, though, the harder it is for new people to assimilate, for new people to be able to engage in that group. You, uh, th when new people come in, they may feel like an outsider, and, and people are slow to uh, – the group sometimes will, it will be slow to allow the new people into the inner circle. Uh, so that's not so with new groups. And then reason number three we start – why we start new groups is because new groups are more – outward focused than existing groups. Uh, new groups tend to be more excited uh, about having potential new group members, and they tend to invite friends uh, to their new group, uh, and they're sensitive to the guests uh, that are coming in more sensitive than maybe a group that's been together for some time. So just uh, reasons why to start new groups. And so I would say to you leaders, leaders, co-leaders, uh, who in your group Maybe it's a co-leader. Who in your group could be part of starting a new group in the future? Maybe it's a co-leader stepping out to start a new group. Maybe it's a leader who goes, you know what? I feel like God's leading me to start a new group. And you would step out and the co-leader would then become the leader of the group, the existing group. I don't know. Maybe there's someone else in your group that you think, hey, this person could we could invest into, we could develop into a leader, and in the future, six months, 12 months, 18 months down the road, uh, this individual could be a leader of a new group in the future. So we just need to keep that in mind uh, as leaders, leaders, co-leaders, who in our group could step out in the future to start a new group. So just want to uh, get that in the front of your mind and for us uh, to be thinking in that way. So 
there. There's our question. So why don't we start new groups? Uh, that's just to, just to plant the seed into your minds as leaders, our minds. And then now next, I guess we're here to uh, not just talk about why starting new groups, but ultimately to talk about the passage that's coming up uh, in the sermon, this coming serm- this coming Sunday's sermon uh, that also you guys will be addressing in life groups. So we'll be looking at Acts chapter 8. Verses 26 through 40. So, Brother Tim will be sharing with us about that passage uh, now. Thank you, Matt. As we uh, begin our look at our text, always remember that what we see happening in Acts is a missional church is always on the move. And so the, the book of Acts is really showing a gospel movement. Uh, last week, we were in Acts chapter 4. This week, we moved to Acts chapter 8, and our focus is on Philip and the Ethiopian eunuch. And um, as, as we study again out of Acts, remember, Dr. Luke is writing, inspired of the Holy Spirit. Uh, he's the writer of the gospel narrative, Luke, and then Acts of the Apostles. He is writing, and uh, the book of Acts begins in Jerusalem, the capital city of the Jews, but it ends in Rome, the capital city of the Gentiles. Uh, it, It begins with the ministry primarily of Peter, the apostle to the Jews, but it ends with the ministry of a focus on Paul, the apostle of the Gentiles. So the direction of Acts is one of gospel movement. And Acts 1-8, again, is the key verse as we see it kind of as an outline of the whole book. And Acts 1-8 says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, here's the movement, and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. And so in Acts chapter 8, we see that movement happening as we focus on Philip as that messenger who goes boldly. And so as we're doing this series on being becoming more like Jesus and we're focusing on this uh, measure of being that messenger, uh, Philip really stands out um, in the early part of Acts as that that man who has given himself to being that that ambassador uh, on behalf of the Lord, as Second uh, Corinthians five twenty says, that we are God's ambassadors; that He's He's sent us uh, with His message to speak on His behalf in the world. And so, your measure moment this week is going to focus on uh, how Philip really embodies what we're looking for in our own lives to be those messengers who go boldly. Thank you, Kyle. And uh, so as we unpack this text, uh, I'm going to do so just by making some observations and then conclude with some application points. Just uh, uh, my thought process as I am initially studying through this passage, uh, looking at it, the the text reveals um, the importance of three things really stand out. The Word of God, the work of the Holy Spirit of God, and then the messenger's witness, who is obedient to the Holy Spirit and who is uh, responsive to the Word of God and able to share that and explain it with others. And so we'll unpack that a little bit as we go. Uh, some of my initial observations, first of all, who in the world is Philip? 
And I think we need to have a working understanding of who he is. We, we first meet him in Acts, in Acts chapter 6, as he was among the seven godly men assigned to the task of waiting on tables or caring for the widows who had been neglected. And so we see him as one of those godly men, full of the Holy Spirit, having a good reputation uh, among the people of God. And so Philip was among uh, also other believers who are now being scattered due to persecution. And so they persecution was heating up and uh, they were on the move. But everywhere Philip and other witnesses of the Lord, messengers of the gospel went, they went proclaiming the good news of the gospel. So uh, this helped fulfill Acts 1-8 as even persecution drove them from Jerusalem. They, as they went, uh, they went spreading the gospel literally to all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. Uh, Dr. Luke records the account of Philip preaching among the Samaritans early in chapter 8, verses 5 through 25. And so we see Philip uh, leaving and and ending up in Samaria. And remember, Samaritans were not looked upon kindly. They were, they were hated. They were half-breeds. They were not worthy uh, of hearing this good news. But Philip, I believe, prompted by the Holy Spirit, ended up there. And in our text, we find Philip going from uh, being in the middle of a revival with the Samaritans of seeing God do an even greater work there, that immeasurably more of that gospel movement. Uh, We find Philip now ending up in the desert as he is obeying the Holy Spirit's call upon his life once again. Uh, He's given a divine mandate to rise and go south in verse 26. And then it's followed by what we would say a divine appointment of, of a meeting in a chariot, verses 27 through 31. And in obedience to how the Holy Spirit is prompting him, Philip takes advantage of the occasion to speak truth, the truth of the gospel, to an Ethiopian eunuch. And verses 22 through 35. So uh, this results in, in a conversation that leads to salvation. It, it is a gospel conversation that we see the power of God at work uh, to bring this Ethiopian eunuch to saving faith. And, and so Philip is known as the evangelist, but Philip is a child of God who is living surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in his life, and he obeys the prompting of the Holy Spirit. So hang on to that. Uh, another question I had is, who in the world is this Ethiopian eunuch? Uh, the <clears throat> Ethiopian eunuch was, by this text, a high court official of Candace, the queen of Ethiopia. Uh, we are told that this Ethiopian man was and an important official in charge of all the treasury of the queen of Ethiopia. And that means that he was something like the minister of finance. And so he is somebody in the queen's court of official status. And so he has status, but he's a eunuch. Now, PG-13 here for a moment. (laughs) Just be reminded that a eunuch is a man who has been castrated for the purpose of, 
of trusted servanthood and a royal household. Uh, a king would often castrate his servants to ensure that they would not be tempted to engage in sexual activity with others in the palace uh, or to prevent their plotting an overthrow uh, in, in a overthrow of his kingdom. And so the Ethiopian, uh, based upon his adventure to Jerusalem, was probably a God-fearer who believed in the God of Israel, like Cornelius that we'll see later on in Acts, but he couldn't experience full membership in the community of Israel uh, because he was a eunuch. And as prescribed in the Old Testament, particularly Deuteronomy uh, 23, uh, that though he could visit the temple in Jerusalem, uh, most likely he could not enter it and he could not have all the rights and privileges uh, of uh, even being a proselyte uh, of their faith. Uh, already the, the church, as we see in Acts uh, chapters 1 through 8, is advancing, and the gospel is crossing ethnic and social lines, and particularly now with Philip having established the mission to the Samaritans that we see in Acts chapter 8, uh, it, it, he becomes now involved in an even more far-reaching missionary breakthrough with this Ethiopian eunuch. Uh, and his witness to the Ethiopian in many ways parallels the story that comes later in Acts chapter 10 of Cornelius. Um, Ethiopian, keep in mind, was considered in their culture the end of the earth by Greeks and Romans. And Philip's witness to the Samaritans and now to the Ethiopian is, is no doubt a, a picture of that gospel movement and advancement going from Jerusalem uh, literally to the end of the earth, to those, those places that, um, uh, that it had never been before. Uh, another question I had besides who is Philip, who is the Ethiopian eunuch, is what was the Ethiopian eunuch doing? And in verse 27, we get that glimpse. He's coming from Jerusalem. Again, he went to Jerusalem, most likely to worship, which means he was probably a at least a Jewish proselyte, even though he had not yet been born, born again. And even though that he was limited in, in uh, what he could do uh, in his act of worship at the temple, uh, he was also sitting in his chariot reading the scriptures. And we don't have to guess what he was reading because Dr. Luke records that uh, the quote is from Isaiah 53, verses 7 and 8. And, and so he was reading out loud, verse 28, contemplating the promises of the prophet Isaiah regarding the Messiah. And, and what happens next is a divine appointment. Uh, as Philip has been prompted to leave where he was, go out into the desert, uh, he sees the Ethiopian eunuch, uh, hears him reading scripture out loud, and he approaches him. Uh, and he asked him a question. Do you understand what you're reading in verse 30? Then the Ethiopian uh, unit responds, how can I unless someone guides me? Now, that is setting the ball on a tee for a gospel conversation right there. And so there are times uh, as we seek to be obedient to the Lord, 
uh, that conversations are just like that. That that individual that we engage in conversation just sets it on a tee and makes it easy to begin the dialogue in a gospel conversation. That's what's happening here. Um, and uh, he doesn't know he's uh, just provided Philip with that great invitation to share the gospel, but Philip was living under the uh, power and prompting of the Holy Spirit. Philip knew the gospel because of what God had done in his life, and Philip was now ready when opportunity came to share the gospel. So what was Philip doing? Uh, Another question I ask, he was living on mission for the sake of the gospel, which meant as he went, wherever he went, he had a message to tell, and that message was the good news of the gospel. Uh, Philip's heart is is open wide. We we see this in chapter eight of Acts to all kinds of people, Samaritans and even the Ethiopian eunuch. And his heartbeat reflects the heart of our God who loves all people, no matter what ethnic or racial background, where they live on the face of the globe, God's love reaches them. Uh, again, in Acts chapter six, This Philip is caring for widows, just as God had cared for him. Acts chapter 8, the early verses, there's a Christ-like love for the despised Samaritans of his culture. And now there is a care and a compassion for an Ethiopian eunuch. And it's literally seeing that gospel movement and Christ's love for the nations uh, by caring enough to engage in a conversation. Uh, Philip displays um, love not just for the groups, the crowds, but for individuals, uh, those that are different from him, uh, different ethnicities, different ranks, even those who have a different viewpoint religiously. But Philip, having been born again, was a messenger going boldly, loving God, loving others, even beyond the racial and physical and ethnic background and barriers that were there. Philip was then living, yielded to the Holy Spirit's power at work in his life. And that's our call as believers, as children of God, uh, as we seek to be messengers who go boldly, it requires us to be surrendered to the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our life. We call it being filled with the Holy Spirit, walking in the Spirit so that we do not fulfill the desires of the flesh. So those walking by the Spirit are are sensitive to the promptings of God. Uh, There are people in our path every day that God may be prompting us to engage in conversation or to initiate a conversation with And so as we read this story and unpack the text, what we see is God's initiative is unquestionable. Uh, There is the sovereign work of a sovereign God prompting his child to go and engage in a conversation of someone that he was already working in his heart to make him sensitive to the truth of Scripture and the truth of salvation that's by grace through faith in Christ, uh, that, that suffering servant, that one that, uh, that prophecy of 750 years or so before the crucifixion that Isaiah pointed toward the Messiah. And so 
uh, Philip was ready and able not only with an understanding of Scripture, but to make the application. This this person you're reading about in Isaiah 53 is Jesus Christ. And let me tell you what Jesus has done for you. Uh, so uh, what was the Holy Spirit doing during this time? He's drawing a sinner to salvation, and he empowers that messenger to speak boldly the gospel of Christ. What was the result of Philip's obedience to the, to the Holy Spirit? Well, the Ethiopian eunuch heard the gospel, believed, and was born again. And then we see that beautiful picture of, of baptism. He wanting to have that public expression of his faith. And, and this whole chapter in Acts uh, is a lesson about how God's ways are not our ways. God, God uh, puts Philip somewhere he didn't know he was going, nor would he probably end up there by himself. Uh, but also God stirring the heart of an Ethiopian eunuch and drawing his heart to salvation. The story makes really no sense from human perspective. In fact, much of Acts doesn't make sense, which reminds us if we're going to live on mission and be a missional congregation and messengers who go boldly, God's going to ask us to do some things that really don't make sense logically for us. But this conversation that we read about and unpack in Acts chapter 8 was definitely a divine appointment of a sovereign God who was up to immeasurably more than we could ever ask or imagine in a gospel movement. So in this story, there's a double barrier that gets broke down. It's physical. It's racial. Uh, the eunuch, who was a black man, was received into full membership of the body of Christ, something he couldn't experience on earth, but through becoming uh, a child of God, he knew that one day, there would be no more barriers because he had become a, a truly born-again believer, child of God. Um, though we would have never been able to, though he would never be able to come a full Jew on earth, he had all rights and privileges of a child of God when he placed his faith in Christ. So the Ethiopian unit was led to Jesus by Philip as a result of divine leading. Now, quick applications. What can we glean from this? Love others with the same love that you've received from God. That's what Philip was doing. Unconditional, selfless, sacrificial. His heart was open to all kinds of people and loving them, reaching beyond barriers because God had broken barriers to bring salvation to him. Secondly, what can we apply here? Walk in the spirit and obey his promptings. Uh, we do not need to wait on that special prompting of the Holy Spirit that we see in Acts chapter 8 to have gospel conversations because we already have the command of a great commission to go therefore and make disciples. And so as we go, wherever we go, we need to be making Christ known through our life and through our conversations. But there are times that the Holy Spirit will invade and interrupt our life and send us on a gospel mission just like he did Philip. So walking in the Spirit, when the Spirit prompts, be ready to obey. And then understand and be ready to explain the good news of the gospel. We've spent time trying to equip our congregation of understanding what is the gospel message, God, man, Christ's response. 
Uh, know that, be prepared to share that as God uh, gives us those opportunities where the conversation is is like the ball being set on the tee and the question is asked and we can be ready to step into the answering those questions with the good news of the gospel. Uh, and want want you to consider doing what Philip did in those conversations, asking probing questions. Do you understand what you're reading? And it, again, opened wide the door for, for the gospel. Uh, last, uh, what I began with, a missional church will be on the move. A missional life group will be on the move. A missional child of God will be on the move, empowered by the Holy Spirit, speaking the good news of the gospel as we go wherever we go. We must be willing to obey the mission that we're called to do. So that's my take on it. That's good. There's a lot, a lot there in that passage. Um, when it comes to your time, leaders, as uh, you're going through questions, um, there's a couple toward the end of the curriculum this week that I think are really good. Um, the first one is, uh, why is assuming things about others a hindrance to sharing with them? Um, I know this about myself. I, I like to assume the best about myself and assume the worst about others. Um, it should be the other way around, but it's not uh, oftentimes. I also at, at times am tempted to think that some people are more dead in their sins than others. Um, but dead is dead, and uh, the Lord is not uh, uh, doesn't have a harder time saving some people than others. And so um, it can be helpful to realize some of those uh, assumptions that we have uh, when we're thinking of sharing the gospel with other people, um, because those assumptions can get in our way and, and become barriers for us sharing. Uh, the other is, is why is asking good questions a, a good way to start a conversation about faith? And Tim just talked about, you know, learning and developing that skill of asking good questions and you may have the, uh, a difficult time initiating a conversation, but people like to talk about themselves. And if you can show genuine interest in them and really ask follow-up questions about the things that they're uh, telling you, what they do, uh, what's going on in their life, and just really listen and, and ask furthering questions, uh, that really can open up a great conversation. And so there's a, a follow-up question here. What are some questions you might ask in this regard? So uh, it's a great time for you as a, uh, as a group to say, all right, well, how do you ask follow-up questions? What are some go-to follow-up questions that you might have? So that's a really great skill to develop. Um, and you can talk about that through some of these questions. That's good. Thank you so much, fellas. I appreciate your investment in this. Uh, we certainly want to um, wrap up our time together uh, with the Live It Out, right? So we want to be able to apply uh, the truth of this lesson to our lives. And so, you know, we think of the boldness of Philip uh, in how he could have just ignored the prompting, right? But he didn't. He was willing to be bold and to, to step into and to be obedient to the direction that he sensed God leading him. So the uh, first question of our Live It Out is, in what situation might you need to demonstrate more boldness for the Lord? So as we uh, wrap up this lesson, be 
certain uh, to present your group with this question uh, because there could be a, a circumstance or a situation which would rush quickly to the front of your group members' minds where they need to be bold, more bold uh, for the Lord. And then second, uh, our second live it out references uh, our chapter a day challenge that we've stepped into as a church. And so this week, continue your efforts to read one chapter per day with the rest of our faith family. And if you've not started this, it's not too late. You can still do so. Uh, all you have to do is go to our website and click on uh, resources, and the opportunity to sign up is there, and the schedule is there. Uh, we would love for you, uh, or even group members in your group that have not signed up yet, that it's not too late. And so you'll notice in weeks and months to come as we go through 24 that there will be a rhythmic reminder of chapter day in life group through uh, uh, through our live it outs so it's not going to be every Sunday but you will catch it from time to time so just know that that's coming because we want to be certain to keep that in front of our people so again thank you fellas so much for investing your time into um uh, equipping our leaders. Uh, but before we wrap up our time, we need to look at a couple uh, of events that are coming up quickly. All right. So uh, the first one is Parents' Night Out. This is going to be on a Wednesday, February 14th, Valentine's Day. And so um, you should be getting some more information in the near future. We'll make that available and begin promoting that. And so if you have uh, families with young children in them, uh, this will be a great opportunity for them to have some freedom as a couple to get out uh, and spend some time together. Maybe invite uh, someone in the community of some friends that are maybe not connected with the church to go out together as, as couples. And uh, so just a great way to invest in our young families. Also, if you have any parents uh, of teens in your group, the weekend after that, February 16th through 18th, is D-NOW. And so I know that Kirk and the GROW team are heavy into the planning and prep of that, and so you'll be getting more information about it. So just keep that in mind and uh, let your group know about those. All right. Thank you so much for joining us for this uh, episode, and we look forward to seeing you on Sunday.